Good, good. <clears throat> I want to start today a three-part series uh, on the book of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk. Say it either way. Um, it might be in that part of your Bible that's still stuck together, right? Pages aren't... Um, it's one of those prophets in the Old Testament, those what we call minor prophets, not because they're minorly important, but just because they're shorter than some of the bigger prophet books. And uh, Habakkuk is three chapters, and we're basically going to do three, three weeks on uh, one week per chapter. And Habakkuk asks some really big questions about what's going on in the world around him. There are things happening in, um, you know, in, in the culture around him, in the world around him, that, that just feel like the world's coming apart at the seams and he doesn't understand what's happening. And, he, and so he has a whole bunch of questions of God and asks those questions. Um, and you know, that's not too dissimilar from where we are at right now today, is it? Um, I, would, I would suggest, as Romans chapter 8 says, that, that the whole creation, this, this feels so real today, this verse feels so real in our world today, that, that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. The Bible tells us that the world is going to be reborn. It's not just you and me that get to be reborn, but our entire world is going to be reborn. The resurrection power of Jesus is going to transform our world. The old order will pass away and the new heavens and the new earth will come to being. And all of creation, the Bible tells us, in this season of, of pressure, this season where things are not right, as God intended. And all of creation is groaning as in childbirth because what is coming is coming and it's exciting. But in the meantime, ladies who have had children. What's coming is coming, and it's exciting, but in the meantime, the groaning, the pain, is real. Right? And, and we find ourselves in this awkward, difficult time. Wildfires, like crazy, Right? Increasing. Climate change. Hurricanes. War in the Ukraine. Earthquakes. A, an increase of military coups in Africa. I'm getting there. You guys are so, you know, eager. The political agendas in our own country pushing for a dismantling of values that we have held for so long. There's so many things in our world 
today that point to the, to the earth groaning as creation longs for the rebirth. And certainly, yes, not the least right now, the situation in the Middle East, in Israel and Gaza Strip, all eyes. This is a moment when all eyes of the world are on that little strip of land, right? So many perspectives and opinions flying around about what has happened and what is happening. On October 7th, as you well know, Hamas terrorists crossed into Israel territory, attacked dozens of targets, the Nova Music Festival, where thousands of young people were gathered and Hamas just began killing indiscriminately. Before they were done, 260 people lay on the ground dead, right? They infiltrated a number of towns and villages, torturing and killing people wherever they went. Men, women, children, even babies. By the end of that first day, over 1,400 innocent civilians had been killed and over 200 hostages taken. This was there September 11th, right? And it struck the Israeli people at least as deeply as those attacks did in North America. I don't know if you saw this video, but Wasab, Mosab Hassan Yusuf, the son of a founding member and founding leader of Hamas. He grew up in Hamas, but was himself converted as a follower of Jesus. And he's gone on record the last couple of weeks talking about how evil Hamas really is. He states how the organization doesn't care. Contrary to what you may see in the media, Hamas does not care about the Palestinian people. But only cares about the agenda of terror and annihilation of the Israeli state and the Jewish people. And they're willing to use their own people as human shields because they have no regard for human life, including their own. It's evil, it's demonic, and it's very real. And it's not just, it's not so simple as to be about the Palestinian people versus the Israeli people. It's not that simple. but it's order versus terrorism, right? I'm not saying there aren't systemic issues that need to be sorted out between Israel and the Palestinian Authority. There are. But this war is not what that is about. In the last month, a lot of bizarre things have been said and misinformation has been shared we see anti-Semitic protests happening in places all over the world, including North America, calling for the death of Jewish people. And this is hateful and it's wrong. You can't equate 
You cannot equate the actions of the Israeli military targeting Hamas terrorists to secure their nation with the actions of those terrorists who intentionally targeted and tortured and brutally slaughtered innocent men, women, and children. You cannot compare them. No matter where you land in your perspective on these things, innocent people on both sides are dying and a great cry for injustice and an end to violence is going up all over the world. We realize that we are watching a powder keg as Iran and Syria and Yemen and Egypt are all weighing in and becoming a part of this picture more and more. Is United States is moving warships into the region. This could literally be the start of a global conflict. Right? And people are fearful and wondering as our as our series title states what in the world? What in the world? Right? <laughs> Siri, go away. Yeah. I said seriously, and she heard me wrong. So what wisdom can we gain from the scriptures during this time? I, I know that, that there's a lot of people talking about end times prophecy and we are wise to keep one eye on the, uh, you know, on the scriptures and one eye on the news cycle. We're wise to do that because there are things playing out that are significant about the future of uh, God's plan and purpose. But, but that's not what we're going to look at over the next three weeks. We're looking at Habakkuk, who asked some serious questions about what was going on in the world around him, and see if there is some wisdom that he gained in his questioning of God. Today's message is probably going to be frustrating. Heads up. Because it's the first in a three-part series... And today you're probably going to walk away with more questions being stirred up than answers that, uh, that you feel you're walking away with. But hang with us. Stay with us for the next three weeks. Because we're going somewhere with this. All right? So Habakkuk was a prophet who preached and ministered in Judah. Remember there were two kingdoms, Israel split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. Habakkuk, at this time, his time in history, the northern kingdom is obliterated. It no longer exists. The southern kingdom of Judah, uh, he ministered in, the, in Judah about 615 to 590 BC. Long time ago. 
Uh, this means that he ministered just a few years before the southern kingdom was obliterated. Just a few years before the kingdom of Judah was, was gone forever. Until, until there was a state in Israel in 1948. Right? Um, also, he ministered just uh, about 30 years after the end of the reign of King Manasseh. And that's significant. Manasseh was a king who was so mad for power that he worshipped all of the false gods of the nations around them to, to, to try to gain more power. And in fact, he embraced the worship of the demon god Molech who demanded child sacrifice. And Manasseh himself, this is how evil he was, Manasseh himself sacrificed some of his own sons to the god Molech so that he would gain more occult power. Evil, 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 right? The king of Judah doesn't get more evil than that. And, and God let him reign for 55 years. One of the longest reigns in all of Israel's history was Manasseh. Eventually, his grandson, Josiah, ended up becoming king. And he was the first good king that Judah had for a long time. He led Israel in repentance. He, he led them in a time of spiritual revival. But he got hot-headed. And he went up against the king of Egypt and he got himself killed. So Habakkuk looks around him at the upheaval going on in his own nation and in the world. And he's asking, what in the world? Right? Evil kings are allowed to rule for decades, and a good king gets cut short. What in the world? None of it seemed to make sense, and Habakkuk began to think that God was slipping. That he wasn't doing a great job at managing the universe, and he didn't mind telling him so. So, first four verses in Habakkuk chapter 1 says this, the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Let's just pause there. How many of us in our moments of brutal honesty, in our moments of angst, in our moments of asking what in the world have sometimes prayed this, or maybe didn't dare pray it, but thought it. Thought, how long will I cry out for help and I don't see you act? Right? How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? 
whole world is watching injustice. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict that abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. The prophet saw injustice and brokenness all around him. People that should have known better were behaving badly. And people who had the power to help others were using it instead to help themselves at the expense of others. At the expense of the poor and the vulnerable. And Habakkuk wondered, like we often wonder, doesn't God see what's going on? How can he allow this? Why is this violence allowed to continue? Why was the residential school tragedy perpetrated by churches? Why is intimate partner violence increasing in our culture? Why is there bullying and suicide? Why is there child abuse and food insecurity? Why is our society so broken? Why are children being taught to question their gender identity and having sexual information forced on them at such young ages? And our hearts cry out, what in the world? Habakkuk thought he was letting God in on something that he must have missed. But then the answer he gets back is not what he was expecting at all. Sorry. As God lost control was our first point. Why doesn't God's plan make sense? Habakkuk 1 starting in verse 5. Let's keep reading. So Habakkuk throws out these questions to God. And then God answers, starting in verse 5. Look at the nations and, and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like, eagle, like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like desert wind and gather prisoners like the sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities by building earthen ramps to capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God.
So God lays out his, a, a part of his plan. He gives Habakkuk a little peek into what he's planning and what he's doing. And this description of this people, the Babylonian kingdom that was rising in, in, uh, in Mesopotamia, he said, I'm going to raise up. Was God's plan to raise up these, this nation and give them power for a season. God lays out his plan to raise up the ungodly nation of Babylon to sweep in and crush the nation of Judah. He was going to use the unjust and unrighteous nation to discipline and chastise the people of God. This was not what Habakkuk was looking for when he went to God. This was not the answer he was expecting. This is not what he wanted to hear. It's not what he would have done. And it didn't even make sense in his world. What in the world? Right? You know, it's easy sometimes for us to divide the world into the, the good people and the bad people. And when we're telling the story, we're always the good people. Right? Now remember that just 30 years before, Israel had completely abandoned themselves to false gods and were sacrificing their own children to demons. And yet here's Habakkuk telling the story, saying, we're the good ones, God. But good and evil is not that simple. Here's a line from Alexander Solzhenitsyn in his book, The Gulag Archipelago. He said, the line between good and evil runs not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. He's saying every one of us has the propensity, the possibility of incredible good inside of us and the possibility of incredible selfishness and evil. Right? Good and evil is not that simple that we can just we can just say those are the bad guys and we're the good guys. But the line between good and evil runs right through every human heart. That is why Jesus came. Because every one of us needs a savior. Every one of us is deceived into thinking that I'm okay. 
I'm all right. I'm one of the good guys. And yet every one of us is in need of a Savior. And we see from this scripture that God raises up who he wants and the complexity of what God is doing every day behind the scenes that we don't know about or understand is so far beyond our comprehension. Just because you don't like someone doesn't mean God isn't using them. Doesn't mean God didn't put them there for a purpose. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and His ways are higher than our ways. God is up to something on the earth and we can't begin to understand the complexity of what it is. And yet our hearts like Habakkuk's cry out to God, God, what in the world? What is going on? What God what God allows and weaves into his plan versus what God truly wills and wants to happen is part of that complexity. God sometimes uses circumstances that we find ourselves in. Trials, difficulties, painful scenarios that we walk through in our lives. God sometimes uses those things to discipline us like he disciplined Israel. Right? Discipline, yes, sometimes means to correct us and show us where we're, we're off track. But sometimes it just means to... Folks, God is training you right now for whatever he has next for you. And he will use whatever he needs to use to train you, correct you, get you on track, get you prepared, strengthen you, help you, so that whatever is next, you're ready for it. Right? God uses the things in our lives to strengthen and prepare us. God was going to use the Babylonians because his people had lost sight of their calling and purpose and they needed an education to rediscover who God meant for them to be. And if that meant that they would need to walk through a season of pain, then that's what would happen, what he would permit in their lives. Thirdly, this morning, and finally, Habakkuk asks, basically, has God abandoned us? Habakkuk 1, verses 12 to chapter 2, verse 1. Lord, are you not from everlasting? This is, this is Habakkuk's, in my Bible, it calls it his second complaint. It's his response to God's answer that he didn't like, right? Lord, are you not from everlasting? Are you not eternal? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. 
Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You can't tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. It's it's chaos. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them up in his net. It's describing what Babylon is doing all over the world around them. He gathers them up in his dragnet, and he so rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. His own power, as it said before, is is his God. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look and see what he will say to me and what answer I'm to give to this complaint. True. Folds his arms. All right, God. I gave it all to you. Now you better answer me. You better better tell me what you're doing. Because I just don't get it. Right? We sure think sometimes that we know how things ought to work in the world. And when we don't, when they don't go the way that we think they should, we cry out what in the world I think we often think something like this we're God's children and I think this is what Habakkuk was was thinking too I think it's what he was saying we're God's children we go to the temple we go to church We pray, we read our Bibles, we maybe even tithe. We do all the right things that we think we're supposed to do. So we should get special treatment, right? We should live blessed lives. Things should work out for us. And then the brakes go on our car and a tax bill comes in and we get an unexpected news from the doctor all in the same week, and we're going, what in the world? Right, God, this isn't the way it's supposed to work. Everything's supposed to work out for me. Everything's supposed to fall together because I'm one of the good ones. What are you doing? Right? God, you're sleeping on the job. And sometimes, like Habakkuk, we throw that out and then we fold our arms. You better give me a good answer, God. I'm waiting. I'll be waiting right here until you come to me with a good answer. What in the world? Told you it wouldn't necessarily go out of here super encouraged today. 
But folks, we're going somewhere with this. And I think it's important for us to understand maybe this is the biggest biggest takeaway today. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back up. Um, This is maybe the biggest takeaway today. Is that it is it is okay for us to throw up our hands and and say to God, what in the world? Right? There's a reason why Habakkuk's complaints are in the scriptures. Because he's modeling for us the right thing to do when our, when our world is turned upside down and we don't understand. It's not to go away from God, it's to go toward him. It's not to say, I just don't get it and give up. But it's to lean in and say, God, I don't understand this. And I'm throwing my questions at you because because this doesn't jive with how I understand who you are. And if it doesn't jive, that doesn't mean God isn't who we think he is. It just means there's more complexity going on than we can possibly understand. God is up to something And we need to lean in and hang on and see what it is. Right? What I'd like to do, uh, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to get you to stand. And uh, we're going to just take a moment and sing, uh, sing a song of worship in response this morning before um, Bob comes to, to close our, our time together and, uh, and ask that we would just bring our, bring our maybe you have questions this morning that you're, that you're asking. Maybe what, what I'm talking about this morning, not just, not just about um, world events but maybe there's some very real events going on in your own heart today you're asking some very real questions and I want you to know that God invites you into the conversation and that it is safe it is a safe place with your Heavenly Father. In fact, it is the safest place to scream your questions. To say, God, I don't understand.
needed. There we go. Still, the song still. Take us there. you pastor I just sense in my heart this morning that there are those of us that really need peace right now I hope you don't mind me sharing this pastor but a few weeks ago and this was very unlike me I couldn't sleep and I struggled and, and that's not it's not like me at all my head hits the pillow I'm gone you know, God spoke to my heart about the situation I found myself in. And after that, I was able to sleep. I'm not going to get into the details. But maybe today, you need peace. You're not sleeping well. I want you to know God wants to speak to you. He wants to give you an answer so that you can have beauty sleep again. <laughs> because he wants you to be at peace. We're going to open the altars today. And if you need special prayer, the Breakthrough Ministry team is here to pray you through victory.
God's here. He wants to minister. Maybe you need healing. Maybe today you're hearing you're not in relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to know Jesus is real. And he wants to break through in your life, and he wants to bring you to that walk with him. He wants to do that for you today. So we're going to open the altars for you, and we would encourage you to come. You need to spend time with Jesus. Maybe you feel awkward about coming forward. Maybe you just want to spend time where you're at right today in the pew. We just encourage you to take time and, and pray and seek the Lord. And we just also want to remind you that the shoe boxes are available in the foyer if you haven't picked yours up for Operation Christmas Child. I'd also like to remind those who are part of the care team that you have a meeting right after the service this morning. And if you'd like to be part of that ministry, we would encourage you to join with them today. God bless you. You have yourself a great week. And if you have to spend time, we encourage you to come. The Breakthrough Team will pray for you. God bless you.